Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. Welcome to our show. Today, we are gonna talk all about how to eliminate the case of the Mondays for your sensitive child or teen in three simple steps. Now we're gonna be doing some uh, myth busting today. And I really love uh, these, um, when when we do this, an episode like this, because a lot of times when we speak with parents of sensitive kids or we listen to them post in our Facebook group or, or we hear our clients in, in the mindset coaching component to, to what we work with, we have to bust a ton of myths. And so I'd love to be able to do this for everybody here listening. And today we're going to speak all about the case of the Mondays. This is, this is a situation where parents of sensitive kids and teens have a really rough day, especially at the beginning of the week. This could be going to school or summer camp or you know whatever's going on at the beginning of the week after the weekend where the routine might have been more relaxed or busier depending on your lifestyle or, or just that weekend, right? So how to shift into that transition, especially in the mornings. Now, depending on where you live, we, we hear and, and work with, work, hear from and work with all, clients from all around the world. So this is relevant in this season uh, for, for you if school's coming up or um, you know, if you work international, if you live internationally, then then your kids might still be in school or might be in school um, because it's it's winter time over there. <laughs> so let's dive in. We're going to talk all about where the challenges are for parenting a sensitive child. And first things first, we want to describe what you might be dealing with so you know that this issue is for you, right? So. If you're parenting a sensitive child and you're struggling with dealing with those daily meltdowns, day in and day out, your kid is struggling, especially in the mornings, that's what today's episode's all about, then you wanna make sure that you pay attention because there are many crucial components to breaking out of the morning meltdown cycle. And if your child is a teenager and just won't wake up on time, then this is also for you. This is true if your teen or preteen is struggling to get out of bed, is isolating and not able to get moving in the morning. So this is this is super important to understand, okay? So why are parents coming to us with this issue, right? When, and, and, and how do you know that we know what we're talking about? So I've been helping parents of sensitive kids for over 10 years and especially specializing in this uh, modality and running a group practice for many years uh, recently in the mental health practice that I run in Maryland and and you're contacting us through our coaching company and we work with clients internationally, eliminating the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks for parents of children uh, under high school age and then we work directly with teens and their parents in the coaching company 
and we help them break out of that same cycle in about 10 to 12 weeks of you know sleeping in, isolating, not able to um, to participate in their daily lives, refusal, shutdown, not exercising, not hanging out with friends, not doing their work, schoolwork, etc. And all that's relevant for the clients that we work with, regardless of the age. And that's so, so important because one of the things that we see and hear from parents of sensitive kids is that their child will grow out of it. And we work with clients of all ages to all the way up through the end of high school uh, in this capacity. And um, it's simply not true that your child will grow out of these big behaviors that might show up in a different way. Uh, but your child is is needing some skills. So you want to make sure that you pay attention to this. So let's dive into our topic uh, ex- explicitly around how to break out of the the issue that you're dealing with in the mornings, meltdowns in the mornings, right? Okay, so this could be daily, this could be every other day for you. It could be that, that your meltdowns are super long, but maybe they don't happen every day or uh, you're just dragging your kid out of bed and, and they're not able to, to turn it around and they're super irritable and annoyed, not just tired, right? Um, so there's a developmental issue in, in addition to the fact that they are, there's an emotional issue, which is that negative mood, okay? So let's speak about this. First things first, okay? Wake time issues start at bedtime. That's myth number one, right? Wake time issues. Most people will think, and and, and you might even hear this from sleep trainers. Now, notice the word, sleep trainers. Most often sleep consultants are working on training your child out of their behavior issue. Unfortunately, it doesn't address the emotional issue. So I'm using that word uh, for an important reason. Many of the clients that we work with or the parents that we speak with have already tried to shift their kiddo out of struggling uh, sleep issues and they've, they've consulted with a sleep consultant and a fair amount of them have worked with people who have tried to just train it out of their kids and that, that simply isn't gonna work for your sensitive child. Now, sensitive children are one out of every five. That means that your child is a minority. However, it is common in the sense that one out of every five has this personality trait. So it's important to understand that balance. This isn't a rare circumstance, right? A rare disease. This is a personality, a temperament, okay? So uh, we know what works for sensitive kids and we've been doing what works for over a decade. So we've seen seen it all. Uh, Noticing this for sure, it's very important that most, that you notice that most of mainstream Sleep advice is gonna focus on the bedtime routine in order to improve wake time. And this is a myth for sensitive children. Sensitive children struggle with wake time way before they start getting ready for bed. Now, this is really important because if your sensitive child is having daily meltdowns and those happen to be in the morning, addressing the bedtime routine is not going to solve the problem. It is just going to alleviate some of the issue but you will notice the meltdowns happening some other time and and then you might um, be focused on how to get your kiddo um, from home from school without a meltdown right so you're, you're basically playing whack-a-mole in this circumstance and i want to break down why that is because if you've recently seen a shift in your kiddo's timing of meltdowns by addressing bedtime when they were having morning time wake uh, wake time meltdowns then then this is very relevant So, highly sensitive kids struggle with skill generalization. That means that if you take your kid 
to uh, a one-on-one -on -one meeting or you're trying to teach your kids in a, a skill set in a certain um, a certain avenue in a certain time of day, it is very unlikely that that skill set is going to translate into the rest of their lives unless you're capturing all of what we teach. And, and so that's really important. It's focusing just on teaching skills at bedtime to, to go to bedtime, to, to start bedtime in a more restful space is not going to totally fix this problem. It, it, it's a Band-Aid on something that needs surgery. And you know it because you are struggling to get out of, of bed on a, on a daily basis as well, knowing that this is, this is coming to you. And if this issue is, is impacting you at, at such an intense level, then you realize that it's much deeper than just whether or not your kid uh, wants to go to school. So, uh, or wants to wake up at the time they need to wake up to do whatever it is that, you, that you're helping them accomplish that day. So let's, let's break it down and e even further. One of the things that I think is so important to understand is when you're just focusing on bedtime to improve the, the, the morning meltdown cycle, many challenges arise, right? You might be struggling with trying to get your kid to go to bed earlier, and that can lead to another meltdown in and of itself, right? Uh, and so you're, you're stuck in this walking on eggshells experience, and um, this is something that, that your pediatrician might have done might have um, shared with you. They might have asked you, how, how long is your child sleeping? And while that's important, right, there, there are pretty clear markers for children and how much sleep children should get in order to support their healthy development, it is not the whole picture. So it's really important to understand that's just one piece of the puzzle. So when we see parents get stuck, it, it is in thinking that this is gonna be a magic pill. If my kid is more well-rested, they will not have meltdowns. Now, when your child is experiencing meltdowns on a daily basis, a lack of sleep is only one part of it, right? We, we always wanna look at biological components whenever we coach our clients, whenever I train my, uh, my clinicians, I train my coaches, we all look at the biological component, but that means we're also looking at the biology of your child's personality trait. And that means that sleep is just a piece of it, right? So when we, when we play into that myth, meltdowns have to be addressed in a specific order and they need to be addressed in a specific time of day too. Because you know that if you're trying to learn a skill at bedtime and you're studying at bedtime, you're probably gonna fall asleep with the book in your lap, right? So think about that. If you're trying to help your child learn a new skill and then generalize it throughout the day, they're studying, they're studying with that skill. And it is least effective to start to study at bedtime for most people, I should say. Now, um, obviously we have the, the, the irregular night owl um, that some people might be, but that's not what we're talking about here. Children are not typically night owls. If they are, then there's a, there's a circadian rhythm issue going on in their biology, in their sleep habits, and their sleep patterns. So that needs to be corrected. So next thing is um, the, the, the myth number two, right? Myth number two is that clothing meltdowns for sensitive kids, which we often see mostly in the mornings, that those clothing meltdowns for highly sensitive children are just about the senses, right? So we see so many parents who work with us in this capacity who come in saying, my child cannot handle socks. My child cannot handle underwear. My child cannot handle insert shirt label, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. What matters for sensitive kids is that you understand 
that this is not about the sensation of that experience on their skin. That is, that is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Now, when you are, are trying to fix this problem and you hear from your child who is screaming that they won't wear whatever item of clothing in the morning or they need you to go run to the washing machine and, and, and dr magically snap your fingers and, and dry their favorite pants when, um, when you ran the load last night overnight, then you can you can jump right back into your child's tunnel vision too, right? And and start to solve the problem from from noticing that hey, if my child is telling me what they need through their words right now, then that might mean that I need to go buy the same pants over and over again. Let me just go go run to Target, <laughs> get that brand with a with a little kitty cat part on it in the label, and um, and notice that that's cozy and comfortable, and it doesn't have uh, the itchy piece in the tag for most sensitive kids. Uh, now some sensitive kids will pick up on that on the uh, plastic label on the back or whatever it is the uh, the material on the back, but notice this, right? That is just fix it mode for you. That is a symptom of the meltdown problem. This is survival mode parenting, okay? So you're following your child's lead in that level of intensity and your child, when they are experiencing a meltdown, are out of control. And when your child is out of control, they are not feeling safe. And so they need you to back up, zoom out, and look at the big picture. If you're following your child's lead in that moment and they are experiencing a big meltdown, they are feeling out of control and even more lost and confused when you're following them. They do not, they're not exhibiting leadership qualities in that moment, right? Your child is, is out of control in their mind and body and heart, and they need you to notice what the real deep issue is. That's not something that your child's going to be able to be skilled about having a conversation with you about in the middle of a meltdown. Think about a time when you were extremely rageful or super sad. Are you very articulate? <laughs> <laughs> right? So notice that if your child is losing their mind, case in, you know, tongue in cheek, and losing their mind over a pair of pants that, that they just simply are not available to wear, or this pair of pants that they wore last week that was perfectly fine on their body, and this week it, it is the itchiest of the itchiest, right? It's, it's like you just threw, um, you know, 100% wool product on them. Then it's not about the fabric. Sensitive kids have an experience of the straw breaking the camel's back with that fabric. And that is very important for you if you're dealing with meltdowns on a daily basis, especially in the morning. You need to be addressing this in a bigger picture way than just trying to get your kid to pick the wardrobe that'll, that'll fit for them because that is, is not actually the cause of the issue and it's not gonna solve the problem either. So. I want to take this, um, this, this component to a deeper level, right? Because parents that we work with, they tell us stories all the time about how they are rushing, rushing, rushing to get the laundry done within 24 hours so that their kid can wear their same favorite purple pants every day. They have kids who are wearing the same winter jacket three seasons in a row, even though it's too chilly and, and it's already halfway up their, their sleeves, right? You know, the, the, um, it gets to the point where the winter jacket, uh, the Velcro or um, the soft part of it is starting to leave marks on their forearms because it, it no longer fits, right? 
but they cannot tolerate another solution or an alternative or a substitute. And so then you are in not only walking on eggshells trying to turn this around, but you're also stuck in the sense that your child doesn't feel like they can creatively solve their problems. And, and that builds resentment, that builds dread for you, especially dread, but dread leads to resentment. And so when, when you are dealing with this big issue and you're going to sleep full of worry about how long the meltdown's going to last the next morning, and then you don't wake up with great sleep, right? Because who starts their day, in, who starts their evening in worry and wakes up refreshed, right? And when that happens and you're struggling in that same cycle, you need to be able to break down that cycle as well. We all always talk about how dealing with these meltdowns starts first with you. And that takes a lot of work if you have had 30, 35, 40 some odd years of patterns of dealing with stress in a certain way, that is very difficult to break out of yourself without support. So encourage you to focus on that and to notice how you've already been trying to turn this around and, and where you might get stuck. So when we shift this for our clients, one of the things that they notice is that this challenge can, with the right support and the right strategy and the right accountability, that they can, you can shift out of this pattern very quickly. And then it's about making sure that you stay there, right? Because it's the human condition to slide backwards and, and to stay focused on fear. And so if you're training your brain to do something differently, then you need support in order to manage that. And, and so um, that's true in, in all avenues of, of understanding human nature. So it, the same doesn't change when we think about parenting, right? So the, the biggest challenge that is, is very important for you to notice in this is that for your child, they might be screaming about what their, uh, what their clothing is, is adding to their overwhelm, but their overwhelm started way before the morning started. It started yesterday or two days ago or last week, or it's, it, it started in their worry for the future about how the day's gonna go next. And so that, that requires some, some support in, in deciding because before your child is able to share with you that insight and go beyond the issue at hand that is adding to their overwhelm, um, being able to break down so that your child can be insightful, so your child can share their insights with you, that takes a, a, a lot of work and uh, certain pieces that need to be taken into, pl into play. And so you've heard what works for our strategy. Our strategy is first addressing how you're uh, adding to the problem, right? And, and obviously there's no judgment here in, in that statement. I say that bluntly because I'm a direct person, but we all know that as parents, we can get it in our own kids' ways, right? And secondly is understanding whether or not you're finding following the research around highly sensitive kids, but not just what's out there on specific books with that title, right? That is just one part of the puzzle. Elaine Aaron des designed the, um, the personality trait. She named it, but her research started in the 90s. And the research around sensitive kids and sensitive personality has been around for centuries. And so noticing that, right, if, if you've just scratched the surface, if you just found out about the trait, then, um, then there are some pretty key missing pieces, especially in eliminating a daily meltdown cycle that takes much more focus and, and more expertise than just one author's work. And then when we take, a, take into account the need to shift parenting and to do that systematically, 
it's important to understand what else needs to, to come into play. We need to be able to take advantage of the highly sensitive trait in a good way by paying attention to the fact that highly sensitive kids are more prone to positive environments. And so when you shift out of that dynamic, you need to be able to do that systematically so that it sticks, right? Because if your personality is to, is to um, right now, uh, you're showing up frustrated and aggravated and stuck and worried and overwhelmed, that's gonna be really difficult to flip the script into um, experiencing uh, positivity and joy and, and, and love and focusing on that love first, right? Because obviously you love your kid. But you need to be systematic about that because it's not just about pretending that everything's sugar, sugar plums and rainbow poops, right? It's about, or unicorn poops, right? It's about understanding how and when to use play to communicate and to do that systematically because otherwise then you're just invalidating yourself. Then you're just stuffing your emotions and that's going to explode or leak out some other way. It might show up in your marriage. It might show up at work. Um, because you're just trying to hold it all together and uh, th that there's only so long that you can do that without specific skills. And then when we pay attention to the need, right, the need to, to break out of this pattern, the need is because sensitive kids are more prone to shame. So if your child is not already naming uh, that life would be better off without them or that they hate you or they hate themselves, uh, this is where it's headed. So the urgency is, is now in terms of turning this around. So when we look at being able to shift out of this dynamic, that takes a lot more work than just buying new pants at Target, right? Or Walmart or wherever you're getting the, your, your kids' pants. Um, you know, the outlets or, 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 um, or the mall. It doesn't matter, online, right? That's where I, I do the majority of my shopping right now, uh, as most of us are in, a, in, in pandemic living. But understanding that at this point, what we're dealing with is beyond the clothing. It's beyond uh, the breakfast cereal. It's beyond the fact that they can't have a cupcake before they get out the door, or you know today's not donut day, right? It's it's not about that, or the fact that your kid is frustrated with their sibling who um, who ate the last muffin, right? It, it could for you feel like um, that you have no idea what's leading to your kids morning meltdowns and, and I hope that this um, that this episode is 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 insightful for you in terms of understanding where it's coming from but then also so that you could take action on it because when we look at where you're where you're you know we want to take this into preteen and and adolescent land um, and, and working with highly sensitive preteens and teens, the biggest challenge that you can experience is that, uh, you know, you, know you, you remember being an adolescent, right? You might have been irritable and angry about something, uh, but you know for sure that it wasn't, it wasn't that particular thing usually that you were frustrated about. It was, you know, maybe something going on at school or something going on with your friends. Um, but then your relationship with your parents might have compounded the issue as to whether or not you were sharing with them what was really going on. And that's the biggest issue, right? Uh, teenagers are going to deal with stress. They're going to experience um, negative events in their life, just like all children. But the, the question is how? How are they managing it? Are they managing it by shrinking their own world, uh, by, by leaving their, their peer group? Or are they managing it by reaching out for help? And that's a huge issue that we see across the lifespan for sensitive kids and sensitive teens um, because that, that shrinking piece is isolation and that's a symptom of the shame cycle. And so when we break out of that shame and, and it's really important to not parent from that place and use shame-based parenting like punishments and, um, and lectures, 
then you need to be able to systematically do that because that's that's not just a, a something that you can um, all of a sudden start um, you know engaging in in one simple activity and then that changes the entire paradigm of your parenting right this takes work and it takes a system so when we think about what it what it takes the next myth that i want to build though is that it, it actually doesn't take a lot of time you know i want to share with you a, a case study of and and so myth number three is that 90 minute meltdowns are going to take over a year to turn around right uh, this is very common this is very common in the mental health world to perceive it's very common in the in the behavioral pediatrician world to to perceive and to believe and it's very common in the occupational therapy world uh, to to think about to, to believe, and so I want to bust this myth for sensitive children who fit the sensitive personality trait. Ninety-minute meltdowns do not need to take a year to turn around. We can turn this around in as little as eight weeks. And I want to share a case study for this. I want to take take into account our client Diana. Now they are are getting ready to graduate our our ten-week program, and uh, that means that they're not done yet, which is why I mentioned eight weeks. Um, and so for this particular family, when they first got started, they were dealing with 90 minute meltdowns and those were happening and they were dealing with this issue for over three years. They had been seeking support from occupational therapy for three years, but prior to that and, and during that time, they were engaging in whatever they could get their hands on in terms of how to turn this around, right? And dealing with 90 minute meltdowns for, for any length of time is draining, let alone multiple times a week, let multiple times a day, or consistently on a, on a daily basis, right? And so this family, mom was drained. She was wiped out, as we spoke about earlier. She was trying for, you know, for, for any given time to solve the problem and, and to break out of it so much so that, that she would not even allow herself to take, to enjoy a shower, right? So think about when your kid is a newborn and all the parenting experts, all the pediatricians, um, they all mention that, you, you know, if you need a shower, take a shower, right? Uh, put the baby in, a, in, a, in one of those safe, uh, contraptions that 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 like aren't recalled right now and stick it right outside the shower and take the shower okay you might feel wiped out but you're gonna feel a heck of a lot better and your baby will be a-okay with a clean mama <laughs> now that's that's a mentality that they you know that the experts will encourage you even when you leave the hospital you know if, if you're the one who um you know if, if you had your your child and, and birth your child and when they give you that um when they give you that directive the principle around that is that your child is going to be okay right and your child will will tolerate it and you'll be able to handle your kid if you give yourself a, a break even if your kid's not napping right even if your if your newborn's not napping for for long stints of time um, even if you have a limited amount of support now think about taking that all the way from age five to eight where this mom could not take a quick shower uh, a quick enough shower in the morning to to get off and, and get ready for work and, and do all the things she needed to do because she had multiple she has she has multiple children so much so that she was just trying to whip out as fast as possible because if that meltdown started, she everything was going to be delayed. 90-minute meltdowns in the morning, guys. I don't know about you, but if, if I got to be out the door, <laughs> we all know if we, if we need to be out the door, 
that not, we, we don't have 90 minutes to whip ourselves back into shape and to settle in and, and then add getting ready on top of that 90 minutes, right? Uh, that is unusual for the average family. And so she knew she had to walk on eggshells on a daily basis and even then still couldn't guarantee, right? This is happening weekly, uh, I mean more, more, multiple times weekly, four to six times weekly before, the, before we started working together at, at this avenue. The meltdowns were happening on a daily basis but in the mornings for 90 minutes um, you know, at least the, those five days in the week on average, right? And so think about dealing with this for three years. Now, if, if you have been dealing with this for three years, you don't need to think about it. You just need to observe that, that this is a situation that you're likely in. And you're likely buying into the myth that this is gonna take a long time to turn around. And, and for our client, Diana, her child no longer has these meltdowns. This is eight weeks later, okay? She no longer has these meltdowns and now she has outbursts. What's an outburst for an eight-year-old? Mom, geez. Now I'm not gonna scream into the mic for you, but you get what I'm saying? Think about taking a 90-minute yelling, kicking, screaming on the floor, eight years old, just wiped out, completely incapable of solving any problems, let alone communicating what, what her needs are effectively and articulately. And then turn that around to having a, a, a slight raised voice or even just raising her voice at the top of her lungs, right? And, and being able to bring it right back down and then tell her mom what she wants. Now, the, the capacity to do that requires a system. You, you need to be able to follow a system in order to turn that around. But noticing that and noticing that is, is super important because when we speak to parents who, who are seeing uh, that this is possible for them, a lot of families can feel skeptical. Ah, oh, you know, is this too good to be true? Is this, is this relevant for my family? What about my kid? So I want you to use Diana's story as an inspiration because this particular family had been through the ringer, had worked with, with the professionals who had told her this was gonna take a long time, this was inevitable. I diagnosed her, her child um, with, with a, a lifetime developmental disorder and, and, and chalked it up to this just is what it is. And she was dealt that fate based on who she uh, listened to. Now, thankfully, she also did one very important thing. She booked a call with our team and she allowed herself to share her fears on that conversation. Now, it's really important to understand whether or not we can help you in breaking out of this system right? Breaking out of the system of meltdowns. There's a system going on. We need to turn that around. And great news for sensitive kids is that they are much more capable of turning this around very swiftly when you have the right system. And, and that's the same thing for this particular family. And this, these outbursts have been relevant um, for um, for, for this mom for several weeks. This is not just a, a one day meltdown free moment that we're celebrating here. Um, she just celebrated in our private client group actually that um, she was enjoying her shower and um, she was experiencing gratitude for that because she didn't she couldn't remember the last time she rushed out of the shower. Now this is a mom who eight weeks ago um, couldn't couldn't wash her hair in shower in the shower. Right, and there's a big difference between not washing your chair, your hair because you have a choice, <laughs> because you don't want to. <laughs> I've been there, right? Um, any of us long-haired ladies who 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 deal with that, but um, and then feeling like you can't wash your hair because you can't keep your kids safe 
from their own emotional intensity or your one kid say from from his or her own emotional intensity their emotional intensity intensity uh, that is a completely different experience right that's an experience where you feel trapped that's an experience where you feel lost and powerlessness and and in that moment Diana had a choice she had a choice to stay in an experience of feeling helpless and listening to other professionals who said that this just is what it is and it's going to take a really long time to turn around or she had a choice to decide to trust her gut notice that she was speaking with people who knew what they were talking about and then she leaped in and she leaped in noticing with you know she and her husband decided to do that noticing that they could work this out together, that they could start to, to parent on the same page. And here they are, here they are, eight weeks later, um, completely turned around in, in that freedom and that ability. And even when, um, when, when one of them steps in the, the past direction of trying to save their kid from her emotions or, or trying to um, solve the problem for them, because they're on the same page, because they both know what their kid's capable of and what they are capable of as parents, they hold each other accountable. And that is a completely different perspective and a completely different approach than trying to counteract your spouse or co-parents parenting, because neither of you know how to get out of it, but you know that what the other parent's doing is wrong. That's a very different experience than saying to your spouse, hey, remember what we know works? (laughs) Hey, you're doing that thing that doesn't work right now. How can I help you, right? And and having that conversation is is a totally different ballgame, obviously, for the for the marriage, and um, for the co-parenting relationship, and obviously for their child who who now sees her her parents on a unified front, um, and and she feels connected to both parents too, and um, and that's phenomenal. So I want to celebrate that, and we want to celebrate the opportunity that you have. You have the opportunity to have a conversation with our team and see if we can help you. See if that uh, future is is available for you and your particular child. Uh, allow yourself to have that conversation with professionals and notice whether or not you might fear that uh, this might not be possible for your family. And identify how you can be inspired by families who, just like you, have been able to break this pattern, even if they've tried for three years straight to to do it themselves or to do it um, with a different avenue of support, right? And being able to turn that around and do that consistently and know that you have the ability to completely shift out of this dynamic, that is available to you. All you have to do is head over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk so that you can support your sensitive child or teen in feeling completely free from the morning Monday experience that um, the many people in the world feel. And when we think about raising your children, uh, sensitive children and um, sensitive teens, you know that you don't want your sensitive child or teen to, to wake up and, and feel droned and, and, and drained on a Monday morning, right? You want them to be excited for their day. You want them to be excited for possibility, excited for whatever it is that they are going to create in their career, in their lifestyle, and in their lives on a weekly basis. And to look at the beginning of the week with eyes wide open and, and hearts full, right? And if your child is struggling with that, and that's something that is definitely uh, a, a circumstance that can be turned around. And so if we're the ones that to help, to help you, we can certainly have that conversation on the phone. We'll tell you exactly how that works and what the steps we would need to take for your particular family. 
um, and, and break that down more, more explicitly for your family. And if that's not the case, if we feel like there's something that's, that's in the way, right? Um, or that's something that's more appropriate for, for your family to take, then you have a team of trained and experts, um, trained expert professionals who are able to, to point you in the right direction. Maybe that be a particular type of therapy that your family needs um, and the approach that you're taking locally isn't working. Or it's a matter of understanding what you need to cover first for yourself before you turn this around for your family. And we would give you that, um, that plan on that conversation so you can get started right away. Because nobody needs to live in this intensity for any minute longer, right? You know when you wake up that early in the morning and you experience that dread in the pit of your throat that you wish you had fixed this problem yesterday. So that's available to you and I encourage you to book that call. We look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in hearing more about how to eliminate the meltdown cycle, I invite you to check out our free masterclass where we cover the five steps our clients use to eliminate the daily meltdowns. You can register for the next training at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. That's the number five S-T-E-P-S. MeganThompsonCoaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.